Hey everybody, it's me, Evgeny. Before we start today's interview, I want to let you know about an event later this year, which, if you're into this podcast, will be right up your alley. It's called Data Center World, and it's scheduled for August 16th in Orlando, Florida. Data Center World is the leading conference and expo for data center and IT infrastructure professionals. It's the only industry event that delivers exclusive state-of-the-data-center research findings, in-depth workshops, 50-plus conference sessions, keynotes from industry luminaries, the largest offering of data center technology solutions, and unlimited networking opportunities. Find out more about the event and register at www.datacenterworld.com. That's www.datacenterworld.com. Hope to see you there. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Data Center Podcast. I am Yevgeny, Editor-in-Chief at Data Center Knowledge. We have with us today Ed Anset. He's founder and chairman at i3 Solutions. i3 is a consulting engineering firm specializing in data centers. Ed does a lot of work in the area of data center energy efficiency and the impact the industry has on climate change. That's an issue he's been very outspoken about, as regular DCK readers are probably aware, which is the reason we have him here today. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Yevgeny. Good to be here. I want to start with um, a bit of a news bag. You guys made a partnership with EYP, which is another consulting design engineering firm, also specializing in data centers. It's about gas, uh, greenhouse gas reduction initiatives. Um, two data center mechanical electrical consulting engineering firms partnering on the greenhouse gas reduction initiative. Uh, what is that all about? I guess it's a couple of things. Um, you know, firstly, you know, Obviously, the more people we get involved in this, the individual areas of expertise, um, the, 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 the likely outcome um, is, is going to be enhanced in terms of the quality of what we're doing. But I think it's, uh, it was mainly driven by the fact that um, both companies have a, a long history of working together one way or another over the years. As you may remember, I was, I was with EYP for a, a number of years in uh, in Europe, and so we all know each other, and, uh, and uh, you know it just made sense uh, to uh, to get everyone back together again for this uh, for this initiative. I mean, a, a very few people dispute the effects of uh, uh, the, the impact that climate change is having, and I think even fewer people would argue that uh, data centres have a significant impact uh, in terms of the carbon footprint. Um, so it's really a question of taking a look at the various technology options that are out there and trying to provide some objective advice and non-biased, impartial advice and understand which technologies are most appropriate for a particular use case. You know, well, that can depend on lots of different factors. It can depend on um, the country you're in and uh, the emission factor in that country. It can depend on climate. Uh, it can depend on a whole number of factors. Um, so we're kind of looking at the various technologies and trying to provide some useful information to the data center community at all levels um, to help them make decisions as they go about their own um, uh, um, carbon or decarbonization program. So that's really what it's about. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of trying to demystify a lot of the, uh, a lot of the information that's out there because I think people are quite confused. You sort of emphasized unbiased. Uh, what what did you mean there? Um, why why is that important? I mean, as, as consulting engineers, um, we have we are um, and always will be uh, not product bias. So we, we don't look at a particular product with any 
vested interest. You know, we just look at each product objectively based on its various merits and, and look at it that way. So we don't, we, 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 we're not, uh, we're not um, biased one way or another to any particular technology or, or um or, or approach. Are these going to be consulting engagements with specific clients by the two firms, or is this more of a we're going to put together a lot of useful information and put it out there for the industry to use? Well, it's really the latter. It's a question of you know doing the right thing and putting this information, getting this information together and putting it out there. Yet we have engagements. Both both companies have got engagements involving you know various. Uh, different uh, low carbon technologies but it's not about that it's it's really trying to make sense of everything getting the information out there and um, you know if people want to um, to speak to us whether it's be to Y3 or UYP and, and get some better insight then may that may may, may not happen but uh, the overarching objective is to is to clarify the situation to the extent that we possibly can in the context of the data center sector. Data centers represent a relatively small portion of global energy consumption, about 1% in 2018, which is kind of the latest estimate we have by the US Department of Energy. Yet data center capacity is growing quite rapidly. One of the recent analyst estimates by Structure Research is 2,000 megawatts on average annually will be added between 2020 and 2025. So naturally, the best way to go about it is to ensure whatever new capacity does come online doesn't add to the problem of climate change. Um, is that what's happening? Yeah, I mean, the reality is this, that at any time you build a data center, any data center, you're going to be increasing the carbon footprint. Okay, you, you can, it, it, it's just physically impossible not to do that. The issue is how can you do it in the, in the most effective way from a sustainability uh, perspective. What's the, what are the right approaches? What, is the, what, what has got the lowest carbon footprint? And, and for this to make sense, it's going to have to be done in a way which works financially for both sides. And I think maybe you're going to talk to me about regulation later on, but it, you know, factually, for this to work, particularly at wholesale and co-location data center level, there has to be some financial benefit. And there's some conflict there. What is that conflict? Well, pr principally, some of the things that we need to do from a sustainability uh, perspective are going to cost more money. Um, some of the technologies are going to be more expensive than the traditional technologies that we're using. So how's that going to work? What's, what's the imperative? What's the driver for these companies to adopt low carbon technologies if it's going to be more expensive? Well, that's not always true, and a lot of people will tell you, oh, you can do this and uh, you can save money by being sustainable. And and that, too, some extent is true, but, but for the most part, it's not. So that's the conflict. So basically, it's more expensive to build sustainably than, than not, at least in the short term. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, that, as I say, that's, that's, I'm speaking very broadly, but that is the case, yeah. Barriers to carbon net zero data centers are... There's many different ones, right? There are regulatory, technological, economical, as you just mentioned, political. Um, that's a lot of barriers to overcome. Um, maybe let's start with politics. I feel like the needle has moved in the right direction. Um, we don't hear the climate skeptic view quite as much as we used to, even a few years ago. It feels like at least the reality of climate change is basically acknowledged by the sort of dominant political classes. Is that how you see it? Yeah, yeah, I think I think um, you know I, I obviously not a 
going to talk about uh, the United States, but uh, it, it, it's obvious that you know, the, the politics there have changed for the better from a sustainability point of view. Europe, um, you know, has I think for some time has understood that something needs to be done. So there's there's this growing political consensus across the world, um, with very few exceptions, uh, that something has to be done from a sustainability perspective across the board, not just data centres, of course, but across the board. So I think the political landscape is far more favourable than it has been in the past. And you spend a lot of time in Asia as well, right? Is is that what you're seeing there as well? Well, pre-COVID, yes. Pre-COVID. I haven't been there, unfortunately, for a while. Um, yeah, things are a little bit different there, because you have to remember in Asia, um, it, there, although there's some highly developed economies in Asia, there are also some developing economies, and, and therefore uh, the, the landscape um, is, is different um, politically, particularly in developing economies. Um, But I think even so, across the board, you know, virtually every country now, is, is every major economy is signed up to the uh, Paris Climate Agreement. So, you know, I think it's at least on paper fair to say, you know, the vast majority of, of economies are are, um, are going in the right direction, at, le at least in terms of um, their intention to reduce their, or decarbonize and reduce their carbon footprint. And uh, of course, it's not enough to agree that climate change is real. It's good to agree because for a long time, as we've uh, just mentioned, it's been a struggle for everybody to kind of agree that it's a thing that's happening. Um, you have to also agree on what to do about it, obviously. And, and that's where political consensus sort of slams against the very hard wall of immediate economic needs. Exactly. And we have the energy industry putting pressure on governments through both lobbying as well as the real fear by constituents of, of losing their livelihoods when fossil fuels are phased out. At the same time, politicians feel pressure from the younger generations who are saying, look, we have to live with this and you know, time is running out, so you have to do something big and you need to do it now. And uh, slowly but surely, it is having an effect in the form of regulatory action. Uh, which hasn't really affected the data center sector in a meaningful way, at least not yet. Do you think that's going to change? I hope it does. I really do hope it does, because um, it, it is, if we're serious about sustainability, then we can't leave it purely to goodwill. It's too important. Um, and whilst there are some great initiatives going around um, in um, You know, for example, you know the the climate change pact and uh, the decent pact in in Europe. Um, the, the, that's great, but um, we can't leave it to chance. We can't rely on the goodwill of organisations to get us to that point. We do need government intervention. And and that's and that's because. Well, if it's not mandated, what's to say it's going to happen? Right. There has to be. Well, there has to be really strong economic drivers, which, which are a fickle thing. And we just briefly touched on that earlier. The economic drivers, they are there in part, uh, but there's some pain as well. So if it's mandated and if it's, you know, if it's ideally universally mandated, it sets a level playing field, um, then we can be sure that action will be taken. But if it's, if it's purely voluntary, and it's, uh, I commend uh, the voluntary efforts, but... Uh, it's far too serious, far too important to to leave it purely to goodwill. And so the largest data center operators have started getting increasingly proactive about renewable energy um, 
and it, the drivers behind that are pretty complex. You know, the, the efforts to date have focused mostly on balancing out dirty energy consumption with purchases of equal amounts of renewable energy. Um, the hyperscalers, starting with Google, have led the way. And now the big data center providers, seeing that their biggest customers want sustainable infrastructure, and importantly, investors being more mindful of these things, have also started investing more in renewables. Um, do you think the providers are doing enough and quickly enough? Um, I think that's a broad question, but but I, I, I would say this in terms of, of um, carbon offsetting and buying renewables, two different things, of course, but related. Simply buying existing renewables that are on the grid um, does not improve the carbon decarbonisation situation at all. It, it, it does. And the only way you improve decarbonisation is by adding renewables to the grid or by adding low carbon generation to the data centre. So if you're just going out buying renewable energy, even in the United States, where I understand there are three grids, uh, all that does is one, make one grid dirtier and another one cleaner. So it really, what has to happen is at a much higher level from a generation point of view is we need to see more renewable sources on the grid and that in itself presents some technical problems. And the other thing that can be done is uh, low carbon generation at the data centre, which is where I think a, a major opportunity lies for the data centre community and where there are uh, good um, um, investment opportunities. And I, I see that's a, a real, you know, a, 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 a very probable road that the industry will go down. It seems like at least the biggest operators, hyperscalers, and the bigger data center providers, you know, digital realties and equinixes of the world, they are mindful of this, you know, additionality aspect. So when when they do, you know, announce renewable energy investments, it's usually it's you know they're, they're usually investing in additional generation not always on the same grid as their data centers that, that are being built um and even if they are on the same grid that grid it would still the local grid would still have a lot of dirty power in the mix so um it, i'm sure it helps but it doesn't you know it doesn't make them neutral right it doesn't make them carbon neutral as you mentioned there you can't right now you cannot build a data center that's carbon neutral i commend again um, organizations that are buying renewable energy but you have to look at if you you know if you really care about this you have to look at the big picture and say well how did that move the needle from a national carbon footprint perspective and i said again if you are buying renewable energy from a grid and you're not buying a new renewable energy that's being introduced to the grid there is no net effect in terms of, re if, if, uh, of carbon footprint it just means somebody else has got to buy dirty power. The hyperscalers, big data center developers, they strive to switch to renewable energy. Um, the hyperscalers have their goals, recently stated goals, uh, at least I think Microsoft and Google did, um, of you know removing actually as much carbon from the atmosphere as they've ever um, produced as a result of their operations. Um, and that's hard um, and complicated to change. Uh, it's, al it's also difficult to change local regulations, energy market design, there are all kinds of things that make that difficult. Uh, so let's talk about something easier to control for private businesses, uh, technology, 
What's the lowest hanging fruit for operators in terms of neutralizing their impact on climate change? I know you mentioned uh, local local generation. Well, there's there's a lot of things that can be done uh, relatively easily. Um, I, I mean, one of the the things to consider is that we've got a lot of uh, legacy data center stock that was built you know, 10, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, um, from a, again, from a sustainability perspective, it's generally going to be far preferable to reuse and repurpose an existing building than to build a new one, generally speaking. Um, so, so in other words, the, the reduced impact of embodied energy by building reuse is something that I think really should be considered as, 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 a, as a key factor. Uh, and, and then we move into we then we move into um, yeah other things that can be done. I mean, you know, it's, it's well documented things like you know energy efficiency. And we're talking at facilities level now. Energy facility, uh, energy efficiency, using um, sustainable materials, and to consider the whole kind of life cycle analysis of building construction. That's something I think that is happening, and we're going to see more and more of. And then we really get into the, the nitty gritty, which is what we're doing from an energy source point of view. And this is very, this is very country dependent in terms of the solution. So, you know, um, the solution you might apply, um, I don't know, say in the UK, uh, would almost certainly be different to the one that you would apply in, say, India um, or, um, or Indonesia or Australia because of the grid emission factor variation that you've got across the world. You don't want to be introducing new technologies, albeit low carbon technologies, that don't have an impact in terms of, uh, of, of overall greenhouse gas abatement. So you have to look at the grid emission factor, but um, the opportunity there around demand side response exists in many countries. Again, it is country specific, not all countries allow you to feed into the grid. Some do, um, you know, some make it um, very appealing, some don't. So it's a rather complex equation. And can you explain, maybe give us a couple of examples, um, how is, you know, if, if a technological solution um, is effective for reducing uh, carbon emissions on the grid in a certain country, uh, why doesn't it apply in a different one? All right. So if you take somewhere like Brazil, okay, so Brazil's got a relatively, well, actually very low um, grid emission factor when we look at generation, and that's due to the um, the high uh, uh, ratio of hydropower present in Brazil. So it probably doesn't make much sense to introduce gas reciprocating engines in Brazil because the emission factor associated with the gas reciprocating engines will be higher than the national grid emission factor. Then goes to somewhere which is relatively dirty, like Australia or Indonesia, from a grid point of view, well, then it does start to make sense because the emission factor associated with the gas engines is considerably less than the national grid emission factor. So, you know, it makes sense in one case, but it doesn't necessarily make sense in another case. And you mentioned earlier on-site generation is a big opportunity. Um, what did you mean there? Can you explain? Well, so the energy sector as a whole has um, has developed um, as anything with that, completely outside of the data center industry. And you know, there's an there's a increasing amount of embedded private, embedded uh, generating systems that exist in various grids around the world. We can emulate that. The data center industry has an opportunity to emulate that if it starts to think differently. At the moment, 
basically what happens is you have a sand by diesel generating set which you use perhaps for a few hours a year uh, it's an expensive largely stranded asset which when it does run is very dirty um, and the grid generally supplies power in the standby engine start in the event the grid fails i think perhaps we need to turn this on its head and the opportunity is if data centers are prepared to self-generate using low carbon technologies or um, introduce energy storage, large-scale battery energy storage, there are opportunities for the data center owners by exporting to the grid or by decoupling from the grid and running in island mode to actually recoup some of their energy costs. And that could be quite significant. And that's, that, in a nutshell, is uh, the major opportunity that presents itself from a, from a revenue generation point of view. Mm -hmm. And so, kind of, so working, using both, right? So like a hybrid system, right? Having on-site generation and using the grid and then depending on where the need is uh, for you know where you need higher load that's where the energy goes that's being generated um it seems like and you, you mentioned large-scale battery storage seems like that would be necessary right for on-site generation because renewables are as we know intermittent well so so if you were to, if you're generating on-site using gas Okay, um, and no, I don't think you need large-scale battery energy storage. Now, battery energy storage, I mean, I look at it slightly differently. I, th I see battery energy storage from a grid interaction point of view as being very useful uh, to support um, grid transients, you know, under-frequency events, voltage sags and so on. Again, there are revenue-generating op opportunities there. Personally, I don't think at the moment um, the technologies exist to, for batteries to replace uh, standby generation. So really, there is definitely an opportunity for batteries um, in terms of uh, providing short-term, you know, short energy bursts, maybe maybe even an hour or so, maybe more, uh, but not days, um, where they can export to the grid. Whereas with gas, whether that's gas reciprocating engines or gas turbines, the opportunity exists to coexist with the grid. You could even be the primary for the data center, supply the data center, primary energy from your gas system perhaps exporting to the grid and have the grid as backup um you know it's just a question of looking at things differently because if you do um this, this can yield some very significant sustainability benefits and then so gas is itself its sustainability is um controversial let's put it that way not, not everybody um not everybody believes it's a fully sustainable fuel so yeah it seems like you're on the uh on the pro-gas side of that controversy? It's relative, Yevgeny. It's relative, okay? So it's not a question of what I believe or don't believe. You just look at the data, okay? So the, 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 the fact of the matter is that if you've got a grid which is, heavy, is heavily based on coal and you introduce gas generation, the net effect is more sustainable than if you didn't. Uh, you know, that's, not a, that's not an opinion. That's just... You know, it's just that's a simple statement. It's not that I'm a big fan of gas. Um, ultimately, we probably will move to hydrogen. Okay, and what we'll see in the meantime is we'll see um, we'll see natural gas being blended with hydrogen. Some countries are starting to do this. Ireland, for example, is, is I believe going to be introducing hydrogen into its national grid, blended hydrogen. I don't know the full extent. I think it's twenty percent, potentially maybe thirty percent hydrogen into their existing network. As I understand that there are some issues with many countries doing that, you know, the, the age of the grid and, and gas leakage and so on is a, is, is, is a factor in some cases. 
Um, but I think eventually we will probably move to hydrogen, but we've got a long way to go. We're not ready as an industry to jump to hydrogen yet, but I think it's on the horizon. As, we, as we've mentioned uh, many times already, um, in the end, businesses are more likely to do what's good for business. And what's good for business, at least in the short term, isn't always what's good for the planet long term. Ultimately, we're going to need regulation. Market forces alone are probably not going to solve it. At least it doesn't look like it this, uh, at this point. Um, the EU data center industry recently tried to preempt potential regulation that was being considered in Brussels. And they preempted it with the EU Green Data Center Pact, which was announced, I think, maybe a month or two ago. Uh, it's basically a promise that the industry will reduce its climate impact on its own without a need for new laws. Um, all the big operators signed on, hyperscalers, um, data center providers. Um, how effective do you think this will be? Is industry capable of doing what's right, even if it's detrimental to profits? It's unclear. Uh, I do think the initiative will have a positive impact. However, as we mentioned earlier, for sustainability to work in the environment that we're in, there has to be an economic upside as well. And if the economic upside isn't there, I'm quite convinced that the shareholders of the various companies involved are not going to be too happy about eroding their profits by introducing more and more sustainable measures. I, I just can't see that's how that's going to work unless it's mandated. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do anything. There are many things that can be done. You know, you can, they can certainly address the, the embodied energy and the sourcing of materials. Um, but when it comes to major investment, um, which perhaps from a total cost of ownership point of view uh, has got a pretty negative impact in terms of initial capex, I can't see that working. Um, so, so the things, in my opinion, that are going to really make, make a difference uh, from a point of view of um, meaningfully reducing the carbon footprint of our industry are going to be uh, how we handle in generation. We've got to move away from diesel generators and UPS systems and system, you know, running on the utility and think about what can be done from a point of view of generation. What can we generate on site as primary? Um, can we export to the grid? Similarly, from an energy storage point of view, you know, what can be done there? These are major investments. Um, and I'm not altogether certain. In fact, I'm quite skeptical that uh, any voluntary initiative is going to be successful in doing that. I think legislation is going to be necessary to make it happen. And, and uh, so something like this has been done, um, at least in one place, right? eBay famously has their data center in Utah that's running on natural gas as its primary source, and it's using grid as, as backup. Um, but I, I don't know how, how far, to, to what extent they go to, to help kind of balance the grid, you know, so it works both ways. Well, it, it probably has a significant effect. It depends on the grid emission factor in that location. I think if you, if I'm, I think this is probably the Bloom solid oxide fuel cell. Yep. Um, and yes, that's going to have a positive impact in terms of the, sustain, you know, the, the sustainability of that, that, um, of that system. Um, and, and, it's, and it's that type of thing. Um, it's the introduction of these types of technologies which are fundamentally different to the way we do things at the moment. Very, very different. Uh, and, and it, you know, this comes back to the, this, this mandate and making things happen because, uh, and, and I also think 
it will be end user driven, by which I mean predominantly hyperscale driven. And it's quite, it's, it's really encouraging to see or hear what initiatives are going on, you know, in terms of uh, energy storage, in terms of, um, you know, it's on-site energy generation, because at the moment and for the foreseeable future, the majority of the building, data center buildings are, uh, are, are hyperscale based. But then we've also got edge, okay, and we're going to have millions of edge sites soon. And this is another dimension that also needs to be addressed. We need sustainable solutions for edge. You mustn't forget about edge. Yeah, and that's and that's something that still has to be figured out. Is how do you? Because it's, it's it's a lot economically. It's going to be even harder, right? You can't have big power generation plants to power edge edge locations. Right. No, but there are things that you can do um, if if you're prepared to do things differently. This is where. You know, we need we we need um, the industry to shift gears in terms of the way it's deploying its infrastructure, and stop thinking in a traditional way and think, of, okay, if we're serious about this sustainability, then these are our options. And the one we're using at the moment is not an option because it's unsustainable. So people will be forced to think in different ways. It looks like there was some interest in creating some regulation for the data center sector in the EU, and, and the officials seem to have backed off after some lobbying by the industry from that idea for now of regulating data center energy use. But they have left the door open for potentially doing something more aggressive in the future. Um, I don't know how widely open the door is. Um, how, from your perspective, how likely do you think it is that we'll see actual data center energy laws in the EU? Oh, I don't know, Evgeny. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't say how likely it is. I just believe it, it's really quite straightforward. It, it, as I said before, there are some very well-meaning organisations out there, but they are owned by shareholders, and by very definition, those organisations have one. One of their primary purposes is to make money for their shareholders. So when we start introducing sustainability issues that have particularly have a negative impact on capex, we may well have a problem with these voluntary initiatives. How long it will take governments and what it will take for governments to move and act, I really don't know. But I fundamentally believe it's necessary. It's, it seems almost that it would be more effective to have these big organizations funded by large private investors who are interested in, um, you know, a climate smart, if you will, investments, which is um, seems to be a trend that's, that's, that's been rising in the last few years, than to have these publicly traded companies where it's just, you know, a mob of investors all just wanting to make a quick buck. Yeah, I mean, again, if, if, if corporate policy is, is sufficient, if it's robust enough and it's really upheld, it'll work. No matter where the investment is coming from, if that, if, if those, those promises, those commitments, particularly that have been made by hyperscale organizations, are actually fulfilled, we will move quickly because, as, as I say, that the majority of the large-scale data center deployments are hyperscale based. So it's inevitable if those guys get behind it. What we don't know is, is, is to what extent they will get behind it and how long it's going to take them. UK is, is uh, obviously now a different beast from the EU. What's been the UK government's view of data centers and their impact on climate? I know Pretty quiet. Um, I, I did have a conversation with some people 
from government. I'm not privy to this, so I, I don't know uh, what the government position is, but I haven't heard any public statements from the government relating to their approach to data center sustainability. And, and you've done a lot of consulting work in Singapore, including for Singapore government, which um, I guess hired you guys to, to help them figure out how to deal with the huge local data center sector energy consumption. Um, tell us about the issues there and the work you did with them. Oh, so that piece of work uh, was actually for the government and that was back in 2014 and, and we were tasked with supporting some government agencies. It was a multi-agency effort um, to produce what was termed the Green Data Center Technology Roadmap, which is a 20-year, intended to be a 20-year roadmap. Um, and, and obviously things have changed a lot from in the industry since then, uh, most notably in, in, in the cloud arena. Uh, but that, that work is still policy, although I understand, although I'm not actually involved in that at the moment, but um, I believe that you know, policy is still evolving over the, the problem. Simple uh, faces is, well, it is, it's a particularly tricky use case because um, because it's such a small island nation, so highly, uh, so densely populated, um, they don't have the ability to uh, to do too much in terms of renewable energy. Uh, wind power is out of the question. Solar, well, yes, to the extent possible with a limited area. Um, tidal, limited as well. They've already run a pretty lean um, grid anyway, almost all of the generation there is um, CCGT, so it's pretty lean anyway. So doing something in Singapore in terms of greenhouse gas abatement from the data center sector is is very tricky. The you know the, the only apart from the you know the easy steps that we talked about earlier like you know decommissioning inefficient data centers and um, you know addressing the embodied energy issue the building reuse I think should be a big thing there as well I think that there really must be a, a big push there to repurpose uh, existing buildings rather than building new but that still is not going to do a lot I I would imagine um, Singapore is is, as I understand it, there's a moratorium on data center building at the moment in Singapore, and that's existed for a while. I don't believe, believe it's ever been made public, but it, certainly my understanding, and, and understandably, because how can you mesh a policy of um, embracing data center development and your commit, the commitment to the Paris Climate Agreement? But I think um, Probably the best opportunity for Singapore are going to be are, is going to be a hydrogen based, but quite how they're going to go about it, I'm not too sure. Okay, Ed, that's all I have. Thank you so much. Thank you for talking with me. It's good to talk to you and uh, speak to you again soon. I hope. Yes, me too. <laughs>